How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to the eighth and final episode of X Lapsedination. We've covered the countdown, we covered the event mini series, and now we're wrapping up the second of uh, two epilogues here. Uh, we are dipping into the volume of Uncanny X Men that uh, I've since gone back and bought, but haven't read any of. So, uh, this is uh, kind of exciting, I guess. Uh, I figured I'd probably have saved this for. The uh, eventual uncanny X-Lapsed program But uh, looks like we're going to get there a little early for this one This is the Uncanny X-Men Annual Volume 5, Number 1 This had a March 2019 cover date The story's called The Return of Cyclops So we we lost a Cyclops and, uh, well, we get a Cyclops back Written by Ed Brisson with art by Carlos Gomez Colors, Guru EFX Letters, VCs, Joe Caramagna Edits, Robinson White Sapolsky Cover price, $5 And this one went on sale January 23rd of 2019 Alrighty, now after a single page spread of creds and recap We arrive at Muir Island Now the time is several weeks ago And we're at the gravesite of Scott Summers There's a rumbling And then an optic blast Erupts from the grave Cyclops in his horrible post-AVX costume Emerges from the ground as though he were Spider-Man During Craven's last hunt But how and why has this happened? Well, to get that answer We need to hop into Flashback Land And uh, this is a sub-chapter that's called A Promise Made Now here the art style has changed pretty drastically Uh, We've got, you know, Ben Day dots It's clearly supposed to be a relic of the Silver Age And uh, it'll become more and more apparent as we work our way through Now, here, a younger Scott Summers is in Cambridge, Massachusetts Though he doesn't know why You see, it's as though there was a voice in his head compelling him to come here And, uh, well, we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a bit Anywho, he winds up at, uh, I'm assuming Cambridge College, where a giant robot is currently on a rampage. Now, Scott changes into his blue and yellows, his early X-Men togs, and he begins zarking and shracking in the robot's direction. But it doesn't appear to do much damage. Now, that's because the robot's being controlled by this recently fired professor named Tavin Tierney. And, uh, he's wearing a ridiculous-looking metal helmet that's, uh, all the hoozy what's its are in. Well, after he rants a bunch to inform Cyclops that he is the true threat, it doesn't take long for our hero to simply zap the dopey helmet off the bad guy's dome, and in so doing, the rampaging robot slumps to the ground. After this, we get a bunch of Silver age post-battle banter, you know, stuff like, hey, use X-Men ain't all that bad, you know, stuff like that, that, you know, we used to see back in the day and whenever they're trying to call back to that time. 
Uh, Cyclops is then approached by a fella named Paul Duick. Now, he is very, very grateful for the save, because you see, Paul was the guy who turned Taven into the college and was ultimately responsible for his firing. Now, Taven knew this, and as such, this visit with the big robot was aimed toward exacting a measure of revenge against Paul. Now, Paul is newly married, and he has a baby on the way, so he is just so relieved that Cyclops was here to save his life. He promises if there's anything, anything in the world he can do to return the favor, that he will. Well, let's jump ahead a decade to another subchapter. This one's called A Favor Repaid. Now, we're in Boston, Massachusetts, at the home of an older and a little pudgier Paul Duick. Now, he's up for a midnight snack, and, uh, well, he discovers he's not exactly alone in his kitchen because Kid Cable is there. Now, our boy rattles off all the measures he'd taken to assure that Paul can't call for help before laying everything out to him. You see, it's time to pay the piper, and uh, the piper is Cyclops. Now, Cable drops a strange-looking device at Paul's feet. You see, this is a phoenix cage. He drops it on the kitchen floor, and he tells Paul that he needs him to build him a new one. A much, much smaller one. Now, the Phoenix Cage, that was concocted during Avengers vs. X-Men as a way to attempt to contain the Phoenix Force, which was on its way to Earth. And it didn't really do the job. Cable is undeterred, though, as he has a plan. And likely a working knowledge of the opportunities the time stream might present for him to facilitate it. He gives Paul two years to do the thing, and body slides away. Next stop, Muir Island, two years later. Now, this is a bit called The First Time Scott Summers Died. And this brings us to Death of X territory, which is that miniseries that led into IVX, and it's something that uh, I'm realizing more and more that I did not actually read. <laughs> now, uh, the X-Men are holding a funeral for Cyclops. Now off to the side, we can see that Kid Cable and Paul Duick are also present, but they're, you know, out of view. Paul's upset at how much people now hated his hero, which, yeah, it really sucked the way they wrote Scott for a few years there, didn't it? Eh, character assassination before the actual assassination, in a way. Now Cable and Paul then body slide away into a morgue where the actual body of Cyclops currently resides. Now, you see, if you're not familiar with Inhumans vs. X-Men, well, A, you're lucky, and B, well, the whole thing was built on a bit of a ruse. Now, Cyclops, if I'm understanding or remembering this right, actually died relatively peacefully as a result of the Terrigen Mists. The Terrigen Mists were toxic to mutants. They were killing mutants, and that is how Cyclops actually died. Now, Emma Frost would then make it appear as though he didn't die and launched the attack on the boring-ass Inhumans. And in order to keep up the lie, she used a Cyclops construct, right? And that construct was actually what was being buried at the funeral and not the actual Terrigan-ravaged body of Scott Summers. Does that make sense? Uh, maybe, maybe not. You see, the one that died wasn't really Scott. Scott was already dead. Anywho, Cable tells Paul it's time to do the thing, and so they scalpel their way into Cyclops' heart, and then plop in the teeny tiny phoenix cage that Paul had spent the last 700 or so days crafting. This brings us to several months ago, and quote the second time Scott Summers died. 
Now, if you're familiar with the Sunday special series, this is a scene you'll be quite familiar with. It's right out of Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey, number five. So, uh, Phoenix Resurrects Lapsed, episode five as well. In that issue, the Phoenix attempted to sway Jean into reclaiming her role as its host, and showed what the power could do in bringing the dead Cyclops back to life. Of course, she didn't take the bait, but was able to experience one final kiss and goodbye with the love of her life. Now here is where the Phoenix Cage implant comes into play. Now when the Phoenix brought Cyclops back to life for that brief time, the cage was able to contain enough Phoenix energy to, well, really bring Cyclops back to life. Sort of like a jump start of the heart there. And so... We jump all the way back to our opening bit, with Cyclops dragging himself out of his own grave. He finds himself greeted by Kid Cable and Paul Duick. He's taken to one of Cable's safe houses, where he gets the opportunity to be part of a mutual admiration society with Paul for a bit. He also talks about his recent deaths. He remembers walking into the Muir Island lab and, uh, well, then nothing. So that's when he died. He also remembers bits of his ethereal reunion with Jean. And Paul is overjoyed that his gimmick worked and that he was finally able to return the favor for Scott. He tells him about his life. You know, he's married, he's got a son. And if not for Cyclops saving him back at Cambridge, his wife would be a widow and his son would never know his father. And this really seems to affect our Scott. Now, one week later, Scott is in a much nicer costume. I believe this is the, uh, the John Cassidy Astonishing X-Men costume. And he is absolutely climbing the walls here. He is tired of being cooped up in the safe house. Now, Kid Cable tells him it's not, time, not quite time for him to re-debut yet, uh, because he's just not ready. Cable then body slides away to attend to, well, the event miniseries we've been discussing here for the past couple of months. We jump ahead another week later, and Professor Taven is being released from prison. He arrives home and heads into his little basement lab or whatever, and he finds a little note posted among his belongings, and it's Paul Duick's address. Uh-oh, who could have planted that there? Huh, maybe the person who's orchestrated this entire thing? Yeah, we'll see. Let's go back to the safe house, where we pick up right at the end of extermination number five. Cable tells Cyclops everything that went down. You know, the time-displaced original five are back home, and old man Cable has been retired. You know, he's got to keep the timeline in order and all that. Which, Cyclops kind of points out the the hypocrisy in here, considering how Kid Cable's been more or less playing God for this entire series. Cable said he only did what he did because it wasn't right the way that Cyclops died. Cyclops didn't die leading his team. He didn't die in battle. He, you know, he succumbed to an editorial fiat to make the Inhumans more popular. Um, he, he died from the Terrigan Mists. Uh, Cyclops tells him that uh, he was right to do what he did, though he might just be a little bit biased given the context and how it's his life that was saved. Now, before Cyclops can re-debut... Cable needs him to prove something to him, and so he's presented with two options. Because right this very minute, there are two threats. One faces the X-Men, and I'm going to assume this is that whole X-Men disassembled thing that I know very little about, but uh, X-Man is involved in it. Uh, The other is Professor Taven and his robots are heading to Paul Duick's house to raise a bit of hell and, you know, kill him and his family. 
Cyclops can only help one, and he's gotta choose quick. And he winds up saving the Duick family. Luckily, Professor Taven is still using the same dopey-ass helmet to control his bots, so it's a pretty easy win for all Slim. We wrap up the following day on a beach on Quadra Island in British Columbia, Canada. Cyclops reflects on uh, well, how much he hates beaches, because AVX started on a beach, he killed Professor X on a beach, and now the X-Men were whisked away to the age of X-Men on a beach. He talks a bit about how wrong he was to be the mutant revolutionary for, well, much of the 2010s. Uh, and yeah, I, I agree, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit. And we close with him vowing to find any remaining X-Men and to set everything right. And that's that. You know, I was hoping there'd be a whole lot more to talk about with this issue, uh, but uh, there really isn't all that much here. Um, I will say... And this, and this is something I've mentioned just about every episode so far. Uh, Ed Brisson wrote in his uh, opening missive here that our back issues are going to matter, right? This entire story was going to use continuity and use it to, uh, to explain the story, to let, to, let the, to let it inform the way the story goes here. And he does that. He does that here. Uh, Calling back to the Phoenix Cage as a gimmick, um, using the scene from Phoenix Resurrection in here. It was all very, very well done, and I think it was done probably as about, about as well as it could be done in order for it to uh, to do service to the story and not and not feel like just like a like a cop out like we get so often these days. I mean, current year is an era where Characters come back simply because the writer forgot they died or because enough time has passed where they figure they don't have to explain how they're not dead anymore, you know? So it's nice to see that uh, that we do get an explanation here, and it's an explanation that in comic terms actually makes a measure of sense here. The Phoenix basically jump-started his heart, and he's, he's back, right? Um, I really can't... Uh, when you're dealing with the Phoenix here, it's hard to poke holes in anything because the Phoenix can be pretty much whatever you need it to be. And here, you know, it was a, uh, it was definitely a plot device, but it was a plot device that uh, that worked and played with the past several years worth of stories and had them all retroactively build to this uh, to this resurrection of Cyclops here. And I think it was pretty well done. I think it was pretty well done. Really, no complaints about it. Uh, a little. Underwhelming because I thought there'd be something a little less uh, magic-y about it A little less, like I said, I mean, the Phoenix can do whatever you need the Phoenix to do So I think I was hoping for it to be a little bit a little bit more creative than that But I mean, given the circumstances, like I said, I can't complain It's, you know, it, it makes sense in the terms of, uh, of comics Um Let's talk a little bit about the manipulation here in story. We open with Cyclops saying that he, uh, in the flashback to the Silver Age, where he feels like he was compelled to come to Cambridge College, which makes me think that this entire thing has been manipulated from by Kid Cable from the start, which makes me wonder, like, like couldn't there have been an easier way to do this, you know? Um... If Cyclops shouldn't have died, you'd almost think, like, maybe Cable would have just, like, pulled Cyclops off planet before he, you know, succumbed to the, uh, to the Terrigan Mists? I, I don't know. 
Seems like we're, we're taking like the extremely scenic route here, unless of course Cyclops would have had to have died in order to set up whatever chain of events led to the original five going back the way that they did. I mean, that seems like almost too rigid, and I mean, we're dealing with time travel and all that kind of crap here, so I mean, that's all wibbly-wobbly as it is, but... It's very, very rigid if we have to assume that every single thing that happened here had to happen the way it did, rather than just plucking Cyclops off planet for a minute when, uh, you know, when the Terrigen mists were spreading to, uh, to save or, or prolong his life. Don't know. It just seems kind of complicated, but part of me really, really respects that because they're. I talk a lot about writers and their inability or unwillingness to play the ball where it lies or play the, the cards that they're dealt or whatever, however you want to say it. And here, uh, Brisson does play the cards he was dealt. You know, there's a, there's a whole story here with the original five time displaced kids, and, uh, and maybe that all had to happen the way it did in order for this story to go the way they needed it to go, or... Like, I don't know what happens in the next uh, arc of Uncanny X-Men. I've never read it, so... Maybe we're going to find out more reasons why everything had to go precisely as it did. Then again, maybe we won't. It's a different person writing those 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 stories. That's uh, Rosenberg, not not Brisson, but you never know, right? Um, Let's keep it with Kid Cable here. Uh, His whole gimmick here is that... He took out his older self for being irresponsible with the time stream. Well, <laughs> a little, a little, a little hypocritical, right? I mean, the fact that Kid Cable—I mean, I'm almost certain that he orchestrated this entire thing. He made sure that Paul Duick owed Cyclops a favor. He, because maybe in the Marvel universe before that, maybe Paul Duick is killed by uh, Professor Taven and his robot. I just don't know. I, I'm pretty sure these are new characters who we, we've never seen before and will probably never see again. But uh, maybe with Kid Cable making sure Cyclops is there, it's it's putting everything in place. Which, I mean, that, that could affect the timeline. That could affect the time stream, right? Having someone who should have been dead back. Cyclops who was supposed to be dead back. Seems kind of sloppy and a little hypocritical for him putting a, uh, you know, taking out his older self for the very same reason, just being, being a little sloppy, being a little irresponsible. I do wonder, you know, at the end of the issue or toward the end of the issue, Cyclops is presented with two options. He could either save the X-Men from going to the age of X-Men or being swept away to the other dimension, or he can save Paul Doick again. I don't understand why this needed to be a thing. Maybe I'm just dense. Maybe I'm missing the bigger picture here. I don't know what exactly Cyclops had to prove by saving Paul instead of the X-Men. I, I don't know what would have been the right answer, what would have been the wrong answer. I don't know how Cable is measuring whether or not one of those answers is right or wrong. It's just very, very strange to me. And the fact that, I mean, Cable orchestrated this as well. We have to assume that he left the note in Taven's laboratory with Paul's address. It's just so weird. I don't know why that was necessary. And again, I might just be dense here. Maybe it's completely, plainly obvious. I just, 
I just don't see it. It feels to me like a very manufactured and artificial... I can't even call it a morality test because there... I don't know that there is a wrong answer here. You're either saving your friends or you're saving this guy. You're saving someone. You're being selfless. You're, 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 you're losing something and saving something, no matter what you choose. If he saved the X-Men, Paul would have died. He saved Paul, the X-Men were taken away. Very, very strange. I don't see what the point of it was. I really don't know. Now, one more thing I wanted to talk about before we go is uh, Cyclops's speech at the very end of the issue here, where he basically he calls himself out for how he's behaved ever since. Uh, boy, how far how far how far back can we go? Uh, he was a mutant revolutionary before he died. Um, he killed Professor X. He. Was a dark phoenix He fought with the Avengers He split off from Wolverine After, you know, not caring whether or not kids were in the line of fire He's had a pretty rotten stretch of years here And the speech he gives basically has him admitting that Has him coming to terms with that Has him vowing to be a better person from this point on and I like that. I like that because, you know, I, I, you know me. I'm a big fan of lore here. Good, bad, and ugly. I, I want to. I want everything to count because I think everything should count. I did not like the way Cyclops was uh, portrayed uh, ever since Schism, and even in the lead up to Schism. But I wouldn't want that to all go away, you know. And this is like a best of all world situation here, where he. He, you know, comes to terms with the fact that yeah, he was he was kind of a he was kind of a dick, right? But now he's going to be better. I like the admission that he has just not been a very nice person. He hasn't been a good leader. He's been just he's really been in it for the wrong reasons. I think that's a a really powerful page in that it uh, it pays tribute to those years. It doesn't brush him under the rug. But it uses those years as a learning experience, right? He knows he made mistakes. He knows he did things the wrong way. But now he's going to be better. Now he's going to move forward. He's going to be the Cyclops of old. You know, <laughs> instead of instead of being you know a, a militant, uh, murderous psychopath, now he's just a, uh, a a guy who ditched his family or something. <laughs> but uh, either way. I'm happy that he's back. I'm happy to finally know how he came back, and I'm happy that uh, I'm happy that this story did service to previous stories and didn't just didn't just draw a line under things. Didn't just excise uh, inconvenient bits and pieces of history here. This accepts everything. It has all the baggage, but with a uh, like a like a fresh hope at the end of it. Right? It's pretty well done. Pretty well done stuff, and it was uh, very pretty to look at. Uh, the art here was very, very nice. I loved, you know, popping back into the Silver Age looking stuff here because it looked very much like a uh, like a modern take on a Silver Age book. It was very, very well done. Now, overall, this was a this is a very solid issue. Um, definitely a better epilogue than what we got last time with X Men: The Exterminated, which kind of. <laughs> Wasn't the best thing in the world This was a far better epilogue to um, What I found to be a very, very uh, Well done 
miniseries event here with Extermination. I'm very, very happy to have read this entire thing now, so I now know where the Time Displaced Kids went. I know, I now know where Cyclops uh, was and how he came back. So I'd say overall this is a solid net positive in my uh, ex-lapsed reading catch-up experience here. So very, very pleased that we did this. I hope you all enjoyed this as well. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can do so a few different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, or you can shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can find blog blog posts and show notes. It's never easy for me to say. Over at uh, chrisisoninfiniteearth.com. Also, xlapsed.chrisisoninfiniteearth.com. You can talk to us about all the stuff on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men. And you can listen to everything from the Chris and Reggie channel over at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. Well, that will do it for the episode and the Sunday special series. Uh, Next time out here, not to date myself, I try not to date myself on the Sunday special, but here we are. Uh, We're going to be doing the epilogue to uh, Phoenix Resurrection next time out, so we will be doing an unexpected surprise sixth episode of Phoenix Resurrects Lapsed, which I'm not sure I'm looking forward to, since it has to do with uh, a hot dog that tastes like bigotry. But uh, we will uh, we'll get there when we get there, won't we? But uh, I would like to thank you all so much for joining me on this uh, very fun ride through a very fun event miniseries. It really, really means a lot to me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you all again real soon. See ya. Oh